Only now that Ronan had been away from home could he see how full of dreams that it was. Chapter 20, page 160, The Dream Thieves. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Navita. And we're, we're the, the Raven, Raven Girls. Girls. Welcome to our Raven Cycle podcast. Where we talk about four dysfunctional teenagers doing something slightly illegal and definitely distasteful. <laughs> Indeed. This is episode 21 and we're covering chapters 19 through 22 of The Dream Thieves. And we will also be taking a deep dive on the story of Sleeping Beauty and a few other small topics. Yep. Many deep dives. Yep. Disclaimers. This is an analysis podcast. We'll be discussing the Raven Cycle as a cycle. This means that we're spoilerific, so you'll probably want to have read the books before listening. We will use pronunciations from the audiobooks, and page numbers are referenced from the paperback editions. And a disclaimer from me, this podcast has a Teen Plus rating. There will be swearing and drinking and all of that kind of good stuff. All right. (laughs) Sometimes I get tired of saying the whole thing. (laughs) All right. Well, in that case, before you get too tired, let's get to the episode. Okay, sounds good. First things, we are going to do a character introduction of Aurora Lynch. Who is Ronan's mom, Mm -hmm. and there's not really a whole lot to say about her. Right. Unfortunately, she's kind of a non-entity, and there's not a lot of backstory other than what we get on page. Mm -hmm. And, like, anything interesting that we want to say, we kind of cover in the mini Sleeping Beauty deep dive. Right. Basically. Yeah, basically. We did go a little bit into Aurora as well in the Opal special episode. mm -hmm. I hate pounding on that. We're allowed to plug our episodes, dear. (laughs) Well, I just keep thinking that it's like, we talked about this then, but we do talk about the actual background of the name Aurora Mm -hmm. and how she could have been Niall's psychopomp Mm -hmm. in that episode. We will probably cover that information again later, later. but if you want to listen to that and you haven't, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on. Chapter 19 is a Ronan point of view chapter. Ronan takes a stand against lamps as he and Gansey pick up Blue to do a distasteful thing. <laughs> I agree with Navita who says this sounds a little too much like a euphemism and I'm surprised Mora lets her go with them. <laughs> yeah. After picking up Adam, they all travel to the barns where they bury a disgusting body and also cuddle mice. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yes. All right. So we start at 300 Fox Way and Gansey... He just has the best slash worst pickup lines. (laughs) He says, Jane, how do you feel about doing something slightly illegal and definitely distasteful? What a charmer. Uh The Birdman's corpse was in the BMW's trunk and undoubtedly a dreadful scientific process was happening to it. Mm -hmm. Is it science or is it magic? Dream things pulled into the world and then are subject to the physical laws. Right. And I talk about this a little bit later with a detail about the rust on one of the barns that they Uh go into. I was like, well... Do dream things decompose then or rust or rot and that sort of thing? Apparently, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. You saying that they're subject to physical laws. It reminds me of the debate on whether or not Matthew is filled with green jello. (laughs) Because he was created by a three-year-old who has no idea what biology is. Right. (laughs) Blue objects to the slightly illegal and definitely distasteful, only if it involves a helicopter. (laughs) Blue wore a dress that looked like a lampshade. Whatever lamp it went on, Gansey clearly wished she had one. Mm -hmm. Rannon wasn't a fan of lamps. I'm like, (laughs) God, I'm oblivious. (laughs) I love this line. 
On first read, it could be construed as Ronan not liking Blue specifically, Mm -hmm. but the language is very detached. He doesn't say he doesn't like her dress specifically. He says he wasn't a fan of lamps in the general. Uh An ask sent to Maggie on Tumblr by Tumblr user Chick-fil-Lesbian. Yeah, that's that's a great name. <laughs> I have a very dire question that I need to ask you in regards to Blue Sergeant's iconic lampshade skirt. Is it lampshade-like in shape, color, slash pattern, or both? Maggie's response, you know, lampshady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then she drew this picture to illustrate. Do you see the picture in your oh, notes? Oh, I see. Yeah. So that's what Blue's dress looks like. Uh-huh. It looks like a freaking lampshade. <laughs> Those are called baby doll dresses. It's pretty lampshady. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but that specific style of dress is called a baby doll dress. Yeah. <laughs> also, here is Ronan observing that, yeah, Gansey pretty much has a crush. Uh-huh. Ronan reckoned the pig deserved it, but Gansey had refused to put the corpse in the Camaro. And it's like, I can just imagine this conversation. Mm-hmm. Also, would it even fit? I'm pretty sure we've previously discussed the pig being a TARDIS. This is true. I, I keep forgetting about <laughs> yeah. that. When they fit four teenagers, an 80-year-old man, a dog, and about eight pieces of luggage in the Camaro. A big dog yeah. and eight pieces of luggage. The trunks are surprisingly roomy in the Camaro, though. That's what takes up all the backseat legroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> Blue is drooling over Gansey, and Renan is just like, yep, he's hot. Also, he's approachable. More specifically, Gansey says, why are you looking at me like that? And Blue's like, I've never seen you in t-shirt and jeans. And Ronan's description of Blue versus Gansey. Blue, lampshade. Gansey, the t-shirt hung on his shoulders in a way that revealed all kinds of pleasant nooks and corners that a button-down usually hid. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) You are so gay, child. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Gansey gets embarrassed by Blue's attention. I'm rather slovenly at the moment, I know. Blue, close your mouth or you'll catch flies. Uh-huh. But I do love her poking fun at Ronan by calling him slovenly when he's wearing the exact same thing he wears every day. Yep. <laughs> and then Gansey tells Blue to put on a hat because it looks like rain. Tut tut, Blue replies. This is so charming uh-huh. to me. The reference to Winnie the Pooh just wins me over. Yes. Where's Noah, Blue asks, and Ronan replies, same place Cave's water is. He's not wrong. It's like, why get mad at him for not beating around the bush about it? Yeah, I'm not sure. My note was that he's simply stating a fact. Uh-huh. Blue and Mora yelling back and forth through the house also cracks me up. She doesn't even try to hide that she's doing something distasteful. Uh-huh. Gansey, meanwhile, is basically talking to Ronan like a child. And I guess this is somewhat typical, but it feels very heavy handed in these chapters. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they're going to the barns where Niall passed away. Possibly. Or like Gansey feels like he has to be more of a paternal figure than usual. Maybe. I don't Possibly. know. So Blue asks where they're going, and I can just feel the longing in Ronan's home. I'm going home. Yeah, he feels elated. Uh-huh. And Ronan flashed his teeth at her, and the distasteful part is that we're burying a body. Another one? <laughs> <laughs> A passage from the Dreamer trilogy that Maggie released on Adam's birthday this year. It's from Adam's POV. He wasn't really a kid. He was a freshman, same as Adam, but he looked softer, newer, like he'd seen fewer bodies. Mm. 
And it's reiterated again that Ronan had not been to the barns in over a year, even in his dreams. Niall would have died about two years ago, though. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a weird timeline thing. A minor. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he does say over more than a year. Right. So the description of the barns here just sounds so pretty. Like the ivy-covered stone and the oaks and all the greens and blocks of the forest and shade mm-hmm. growing and mysterious. It, it sounds straight out of a fairy tale, and I want to go there. Right. <laughs> it does sound incredibly beautiful. And another post from Maggie about her own dreaming and how the Barnes became the Lynch family home. She says... Like Ronan, I had or have reoccurring dreams and visceral nightmares. But unlike Ronan, I found out that if I wrote them down, I wouldn't have them again. I used to go to the barns in my dreams nearly every night, and it was precisely as it appears in The Dream Thieves and the later books in the series. Everything Ronan feels about the barns is how I felt about it. When it came time to give the Lynch family a kingdom of their own, I knew I was going to give them the barns, but I also knew that to write it down was to exercise it from my dreams. Nightmares and dreams really work the same way. The only difference is that you're afraid of one. And I was right. I've not been back to the barn since I first wrote it down. Well, not when I'm sleeping anyway. I guess what I'm trying to say is that every time a reader is pleased to visit the barns, it makes me feel better about my decision to give it away. So thanks for that. It's actually really sweet. So rain spattered on the BMW's windshield, and it always rains when Gainsey is doing something dangerous. It's such a good catch, though Blue doesn't have to worry about it because he's not wearing Henry's Aglenby sweater. (laughs) (laughs) As they're driving in, Ronan starts to think about the cattle that his father used to have on the farm, and he thinks that herd, lovely as fairy animals, still populated Ronan's dreams, though in stranger fields. He wondered what happened to the real cattle. They kind of are fairy creatures, Mm -hmm. like they're straight out of dreams. And also, I wonder if Opal tells him dreaming about his dad's cows is cheating, or is it just things he brings out that are cheating? Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) He wondered what had happened to the real cattle. Well, there never were real cattle. Right, it's true. The fact that he talks about dreaming them, to me, seems to foreshadow the fact that the crew will find them sleeping. Uh Uh-huh. And I unfortunately ran out of time to give some good examples of fairy animals and myths and legends. But trust me when I say that magical cows are a well-loved addition to many stories across the globe, especially in Celtic mythology. Yeah, there are lots of them. So the actual family home is described as homely, unimpressive, a farmhouse that had been added onto every few decades. It still sounds lovely and cozy. It just Mm -hmm. sounds amazing. The barns that gave the property its name dotted the fields that they'd grown from them. Smaller ones clustered like mushrooms, larger ones standing apart. It sounds like a village from a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. So much of that imagery surrounding the lynches. Mm -hmm. And there was a troubled sky, huge and purple with rain. Again, more rain. Mm -hmm. And Renan feels like this was the reality and the last year had been the dream. That makes my heart hurt. Yeah, I just had strike that, reverse it. Mm -hmm. There was one light on in the farmhouse, the light to the sitting room. It was always on. And it's more fairy tale style phrasing. Right. Ronan thinks that he would wake up soon and find himself again exiled and then names three places he's likely to wake up in. Monmouth, the back seat of his car and lying on the floor beside Adam's bed at St. Agnes. He's already spending so much time there that he considers Adam's apartment a viable choice. That's so sweet. (laughs) 
he can't even enjoy this moment here. Instead, he's worrying that he will wake up to find it was a dream. Mm -hmm. And in the oppressive light, the Barnes was so green and beautiful that he felt sick. Right. He feels sick and then immediately looks at Adam, Mm -hmm. his expression, dreamy and ill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Adam, his expression, dreamy and ill, blew her fingertips pressed to the glass as if she wanted to touch the damp grass. It's like they're all affected in different ways. Mm -hmm. Then there was a plum tree with unpicked fruit. And there's almost a Garden of Eden temptation imagery going on here, Mm -hmm. especially followed by Ronan thinking about the dreams that he had about that particular tree. Mm -hmm. One pleasant with the seeds and the juice, and then one decidedly not with the bleeding parasitic creatures. Right. Sometimes I do think that I've read too much fan fiction, because I can't actually remember if later they eat the fruit off the tree when Adam comes with Ronan to the barns, or if that's just something I've read online. And I think it is something that happens when... I think so too because that sounds familiar okay the damp earth green walled stone mold scent of home again it's like the barns is a cottage in the woods in a story Mm -hmm. it was another country it was a country for the young where you died before you got old poor ronan it's like Yeah. yeah i look forward to him changing that i agree yeah the loveliness of the place couldn't even be marred by the knowledge that this was the place ronan had found his father's body to love a place so much that just being there can just push that pain to the back of your mind. Yeah. It was transformed utterly by the changing light. Again, it's a fairyland. Mm-hmm. So that the memory only became a briefly noted thought, analytical rather than emotional. He's home and he's instantly comforted just uh-huh. by the act of being there. Right. The only reality was this. He was home. How badly he wanted to stay. Yeah. I love how Ronan and Gansey just don't even have a plan. They don't even think about it. Right. And the moment they realize they need one, they immediately turn to Adam. Right. Also, Ronan, it's your house. Shouldn't you know where some stuff is? Like, why are you looking at Adam? They are <laughs> pathetic at this. <laughs> Ronan calls Adam Einstein. Well, it's a better nickname than Runt, that's uh-huh. for sure. <laughs> and when Ronan asks Adam the question, Barn suggested Adam coming awake. Ronan wakes Adam up to feel awake when my eyes are open. Right. Chainsaw flapped to keep her balance. She was getting heavy, this dream of his. Ronan's heart is heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adam took a few hurried steps to walk beside Blue, but neither spoke. It feels so cold and tense. Mm-hmm. And Gansey's head was ducked against the rain, his head pensive. Rain mm-hmm. again. Right. Gansey had made this walk enough times before. I really wish at least part of this chapter was from Gansey's perspective. Uh-huh. I'd love to see his thoughts coming back. Yeah. And Ronan is suddenly furious at Declan, the enforcer of his father's will. I'm starting to get pissy at Ronan. Uh I doubt Declan wanted the job. It was Niall's choice to put this rift between his teenage sons. Absolutely. But if he was allowed to come back here, it wouldn't be the same, but it would be bearable. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor kid. Right. Chainsaw saw the strange things first. Dream creature recognizing dream creature. Yeah, we know they do. Right. And Ronan couldn't quite work out how it was still here. Ronan's still not quite figuring it out. Right. He's starting to put the clues together. Also, I had to look up if cows always lie down in the rain, of course. (laughs) And this is what I found on LiveScience.com. How can you accurately predict if it's going to rain? Just check a cow pasture. If all of the cows are lying down, a rainstorm is coming. Or so this old wives' tale claims. (laughs) But is there any weight behind this tale? Not likely. 
cows lie down for many reasons, and there's no scientific evidence that rain is one of them. As the Farmer's Almanac says, cows lying down in a field more often means that they're chewing their cud rather than preparing for raindrops. And just think, if weather predictions were made based on the actions of cows, the forecast would always be grim. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Rudin, pondering the cow, trying to figure out how his dad's dream things are still there, and Chainsaw mimicking his pose is just flipping adorable. Right. They both cock their head and look at it with the same look. Yes. And Ronan says, non mortem, somni fratrem. Not death, but his brother's sleep. It looks like this phrase is one that is not a classics quote, but it was written by Maggie for the Dream Thieves. Mm, It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Gansey, a bit of the gallows humor in his voice, advised, poke its eye. (laughs) This is so weird coming from Gansey. (laughs) Chainsaw pressed her body against the side of Ronan's head as a warning not to set her down anywhere near it. Wonder why? Like, is there something unsettling about the turned off dream things? That it's like a different dreamer's energy? Is there something about the sleep that's catching? Is she just feeding off Ronan's feelings of kind of unease? I assumed all of the above, or at least most of the above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a metaphor for the American public in here, Gansey murmured darkly, but it escapes me at the moment. You may be right, Gansey. I just had a shocked Gansey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go on before Gansey says something that makes me hate him. You may also be right, Blue. <laughs> for real. And the big sliding door was worm-eaten and rotted near the bottom, and the metal edging was rusted. And again, if this was a dream thing, would it rot? Mm -hmm. Not saying that the barns have to be a dream thing, but... Right. Rudin put his hand on the uneven surface of the door handle. Out of habit, his palm memorized the feel of it. Not the idea of it, but the real sensation of it. He really does feel like he's dreaming, preparing to pull something out. Right. And I did pull out something from that WikiHow article that Maggie wrote about dreaming. Uh Uh-huh. And the thing about making items concrete experience the object the most important part of manifesting your dreams is creating a physical reality for it before you wake the more you have assigned physical properties to it before attempting to return with it the more successful your attempt will be mm-hmm. and Gansey says sleep mode which is exactly how Kala describes it later on page 167 mm-hmm. and Blue says hypnosis referencing hypnos the brother of Thanatos god of death in the Roman page Pantheon hypnosis sumnus, not death, but his brother sleep. Mm-hmm. There was a raw potential to the herd, like someone with the correct word could rouse a stampede. And the way Maggie usually does things, one might expect Gainsey to talk next year, but it's blue. To me, it is definitely foreshadowing the Cave of Bones. Absolutely. However, blue does tend to go into these things with a sense of wonder, Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense based on the way the comment is made. Right. Is this our fault too? She asks, and Ronan replies, no, this is something else. He hasn't put all the details together yet, but he knows the sleeping animals have to do with his dad's dreaming and death and not the ley line. Mm -hmm. There is a subtle moment here when Blue says, is this our fault? And Adam looked away. He feels guilty. But does he feel like they're blaming him for this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to tell. I strangely enjoyed this line. Gansey tested a post hole digger's weight as if checking the balance on a sword. Arthur, pulling the post hole digger from the stone. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you really grow up here, Ronan? The pain welled up, sudden and shocking. The only way he could get the sentiment out was by drowning the words with acid. Yeah, that is very much how he works. Right. It came out sounding like he hated the place. Yes, this 
was my castle, a fairy tale castle with a sleeping princess inside. Mm. The sleeping bird with a chest that at first looks black and bloody and then peacock emerald sounds both spooky and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when he sees it, Ronan's pulse surged again, that feeling of excitement. Uh-huh. One of you two poverty trends should touch it. Jesus, Ronan, I don't blame Blee for blowing up at him. No, my comment was, don't be an asshole just because you're hurting. But that is when Ronan is most an asshole. Uh-huh. <laughs> Blue calls on Gansey and he says, you told me you wanted to fight your Ronan battles on your own. In a way, this could be read as dismissive, but he is respecting her wishes. Yeah. Adam, however, just kind of rolls his eyes and goes to check it out. It's not until Ronan demands something further immediately after, now check for eggs, Mm -hmm. that Adam gives him a much-deserved screw you. Right. They were all a little uneasy. It's not a usual thing for Maggie to do a floating POV in the middle of a chapter, just for one line. Mm -hmm. And Gansey asked, are we the only things left awake? And Ronan is inspired to go searching for something Thing, he ordered light. Flicking to his phone's flashlight function, Gansey illuminated the bin's interior. Hurry up, this cooks my phone. It's echoes of Gansey going through the tunnel to find Glendower using only his phone's flashlight. Uh-huh. Ronan with the mouse just melts my heart. Mm-hmm. He's so tender with it, and his memory about when he and Matthew used to play with them. Right. It's uh. a glimpse of the old soft boy TM, Ronan, only here at the barn. Uh-huh. He pressed the tiny body to his cheek so that he could feel the flutter of its rapid heartbeat against his skin. And Blue's like, are you for real? Are you messing with me? I'm like, I kind of feel you, Blue. Yeah, it's a valid question. She may never have seen Ronan like this, even with Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. You're a bastard, and this doesn't seem like a typical bastard activity. Uh-huh. The three of them and their smiles while holding the mouse are very indicative of their personalities. Right. And Gansey's smile before he handles the mouse reminds Ronan of the way that Matthew smiled at the mice back when they'd been the Lynch family. And that's what breaks the spell and Ronan is angry again. Right. Astonishingly charming, says Gansey. Maggie's recently tweeted, the important thing to ask yourself when predicting Gansey's movements is generally, would a polite but regressive 67-year-old sea captain do this? (laughs) Well, a sea captain would wear a Gansey. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Let me explain the joke. A Gansey is a type of sweater. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. (sighs) Anyone want seconds before I put it back? Ronan asks, because it'll be dead in a year. Lifespan's shit for field mice. Mm -hmm. It's like, I was thinking I'd heard that it was six months, but Wikipedia and some other sources I looked at say about a year. It's two to three in captivity because, you know, no predators. Right. Because everything eats field mice. Mm-hmm. I had one live to around three and her name was Swice Good and she was certified as the best mouse ever. The vet said so. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So Ronan and Gansey had stuffed the bird man into a speaker box as best they could, but enough of the course poked out on both ends to abuse the imagination. Mm-hmm. I feel like this would be a weird mix of comical and creepy. Uh-huh, exactly. And Ronan thinks that he was afraid of it in a dull, primeval, permanent way that came from being killed by them again and again in his head. They hate me. You hate you. Mm-hmm. In my dreams, they're called Night Horrors, or Neri Vickless. And it is at this point that Ronan realizes there may have been something to Blue's accusation that he knew the mystery language on the puzzle box after all. Yeah, I still remain unconvinced. 
If I was spending every night in a forest surrounded by trees that spoke German, I'm pretty sure I'd pick up a few phrases in German, especially if they were about things that were going to kill me. Possibly. <laughs> Chainsaw didn't care for anything big and black, including herself. <laughs> I was like, is that because she comes from Renan's dreams and she sees these things all the time? I was also thinking that because she had been pulled from his dreams, which contained these creatures as well. Mm -hmm. But she adored Ronan above all things. Me too, lovely girl. Or at least above a lot of things. <laughs> Ronan thought about all of them bearing a body on his behalf. He would have preferred it to stay in his dreams. But if it had to slip out, this was better than the last uncontrolled nightmare. Wow. Yeah, I suppose it would be better. But that's stark. Mm -hmm. Question. Who would you bury a body for? You, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. All You're right. on the list. <laughs> okay, yay! I'm on the list. <laughs> I do have a list. Okay. Uh, how does next Saturday sound for you? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about this off the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gansey suggests, they finish up, and Gansey suggests they go to Nino's. Blue protests wordlessly. Mm -hmm. Seriously, Gansey, why would she want to spend her time at work during her off day? Uh-huh. I'm fine with anything, Adam replied, his Henrietta accent snaking out, betraying his fatigue. It's like, my accent does that too when, mm -hmm. I'm, when I'm tired. I sound like more of a hillbilly. <laughs> it wasn't at all impossible for Ronan to imagine that bargain nesting in Adam's bones. I was kind of wondering if being at the barns was draining him in the same way, like... Like the ley line was draining energy from cave's water, just maybe mm -hmm. being around the dream things. But yeah, maybe. It's just a thought. I think he also is just really freaking tired. And mm -hmm. like we've talked about a million times before, he's literally working himself to death. Yeah. Softly, just for Gansey, Ronan asked, can I go see mom? Mm -hmm. How heartbreaking would it be to know that your mother was a 20 minute drive and now just like a matter of a few yards probably away. Mm -hmm. And yet you couldn't go to her. And even if you could, she wouldn't really be present. She wouldn't really be there. Right. True confession. I started crying. Mm. <laughs> All right. Chapter 20 is a Ronin POV. The four of them go into the house itself, Ronan wanting to see his mother and the others curious about the dream things. After exploring a bit, some potentially dangerous mask shenanigans and Ronan starting to destroy things, he finds the truth that the will is meant to hide. His mother is one of his father's dream things and she is asleep. The air was stained permanently with the pleasant odor of Ronan's childhood, hickory smoke and boxwood, grass seed and lemon cleaner. That sounds really, really pleasant. Mm -hmm. And I remember Gansey said thoughtfully to Ronan when you used to smell like this. It's exhibiting intimacy mm. and history. Also, Ronzi shippers rejoice. <laughs> Chainsaw looks in the mirror and then hides her head in Ronan's neck. Adam did the same, but without the hiding in Ronan's neck bit. Much to Ronan's chagrin. <laughs> mm -hmm. Even Blue looks less fanciful than usual. The lighting rendering her lampshade dress and spiky hair as a melancholy pero. Mm -hmm. I did have to look this up to make sure I was getting the reference. And I was correct. It's the mime type character dressed all in white that was used in plays and art from the 17th century. Oh, yeah. From the Commedia dell'arte. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He didn't say what Ronan was thinking, which was that Gansey was far more of a brother to Ronan than Declan had ever been. 
Poor Declan. Indeed. Nothing had ever been repaired or updated until it had stopped working, and so the room was an amalgam of decades and styles. Again, it sounds rather charming and fun. Uh The Barnes was not the pretentious, beautiful old money of Gansey's family. This house was shabby rich, betraying its wealth not with culture or airs, but because no comfort was wanting. Gansey's money is stuffy and cold. Ronan's money is comfortable. And see Adam's reaction to both. Yes, I noticed this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like Gansey's ancestral home was a no-touch museum of elegant remote things. And the barns was a warren of pool tables and quilts, video game cords, and shoddily expensive leather couches. One sounds painfully sterile mm-hmm. and the other sounds wonderfully comfortable. And I know how I would feel my money was better spent if I had any money. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so I can see why Adam would be like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the kind of thing that I want. Right. Ronan loved it so much. He nearly couldn't bear it. He wanted to destroy something. The welling of emotion leading to a need for physical expression. Mm -hmm. Gansey raised an eyebrow. That is a toaster. Dream toaster. Adam laughed soundlessly. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> kind of feel like that dream toaster sounded a bit like Niall. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam, with always the scientific mind, asks what the toaster runs on if it's not plugged into the wall. Dream energy, Ronan said, clean as there is. Is it though? Like we know there are consequences for using energy from the dreams. Mm-hmm. Like there's a price to pay for using it. But I suppose they haven't made that connection yet. Right. Adam, politicians wouldn't be pleased. No offense to your mother, Gansey. None taken, Gansey said cordially. <laughs> oh my God, Gansey. Oh Gansey was using his deeply curious voice and his deeply curious face. The ones he normally reserved for all things Glendower. Then he tells everyone that they should make a study of all the dream things in the house. I still maintain that Gansey is a Ravenclaw nerd. <laughs> yep. This is absolutely a moment where he lets that Ravenclaw slide show. Mm-hmm. The rotary phone. I'm like, have any of them but Gandhi actually seen a rotary phone? Isn't that what he has on his desk? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's why I know that he... <laughs> so I guess I have seen it. But anyway, the rotary phone that isn't connected but still has a dial tone. I laughed so hard at the... In the age of cell phones, Ronan found this discovery profoundly disinteresting. Right. He also hates phones in general. Uh, he does. <laughs> and Blue discovers a stool that when you wind it around, it emitted a wail that sounded a little like the wind that shakes the barley played several times faster than it was ever meant to be played. Unfortunately, I did not get to do this before recording, but I hope to actually insert a clip of what this would sound like in the episode. (laughs) Nice. Also, for some reason, I was thinking of the Sting song. All right, and then Gansey finds a knife that is burning hot. Why would you even keep this around with kids in the house? We have already established that parents, especially fathers, leave something to be desired in this series. That's true. (laughs) Several items seem to be products of frustration dreams. It doesn't seem like Niall had very much control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like my thought went to many thieves, one Grey Warren. Mm -hmm. Ronan doesn't know control because his dad didn't teach him. Mm -hmm. I would have originally said that that was because he couldn't be bothered. But looking at this again makes me think that maybe he didn't have it to teach. Mm -hmm. Ronan starts opening and slamming drawers for the pleasure of hearing them crash. He wasn't sure what was worse leaving or the anticipation of leaving. 
In this chapter, Ronan seems to be acting like a petulant two-year-old. Or Kala. <laughs> yes, he's acting like both. Right. Blue calls them all into the hallway to point out a blue lily that appears to still be alive with no water. There are a few blue lilies in the world, but they all seem to be mostly those small star-shaped flowers, like Ronan described in the prologue, but not these lush oriental lilies that are described here. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if there was any particular myth or meaning ascribed to a blue lily, but I guess we have a whole nother book to talk about that. Indeed. Yeah, my thought here was that... That it was an allusion to blue. Mm. I'm like, I'm trying to think how that would work. I don't know. Like, it, just, it made me like, just well, made it's me think of blue. And then like, Gansey's immediately like, ooh, pretty. <laughs> well, it definitely like, that's why I'm like, is there a symbolic meaning to a blue lily? Because mm. obviously it is used as a refrain. But yeah, blue petals, blue flowers. Right. Gansey's entranced by the flowers, so Adam and Ronan moved farther down the hall towards the dining room while Gansey lingered over the flowers. There was something humble and odd in the way he stood, something grateful and wistful in his face as he gazed at the flower. How strange it must be to come to a place you've been before and look at it with whole new eyes. Right. And that description of his gaze at those flowers is what submitted my thoughts about them. I mean, there's obviously a connection to blue there. Right. Gansey's expression makes Ronan even angrier. And he turns and in the pale gray dining room, Adam was taking a wooden mask from a hook on the wall. Shannon, you mentioned prescient dreams in the last episode, and this is that dream coming true. Uh Uh-huh. And Ronan acts just about the way that I would if I saw that happening. Right. To be like, oh, no, that's not. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we probably should have referenced this maybe last episode, but I did want to read a little bit about the devil card in Maggie's tarot deck, because this is what it looks like. Oh, wow. It basically is the mask. Yeah. And I think some of these things may help interpret what this means to Ronan as well. And she says, well, this is ominous. (laughs) Just as the death card did not truly mean death... The devil card is not really about capital T, capital D, the devil. It is about lowercase t, lowercase d, the devils that you have been carrying around with you. Mm -hmm. When I said that, you should have felt a little sigh escape you, because usually people are familiar with their personal devils. It can be addiction, self-loathing, jealousy, obsession. Tarot reminds us again and again that the worst villain lives inside of us, and the devil card is a warning that we are on a dangerous path. Often when you pull a devil card, you feel trapped, unable to improve your situation, and you can't figure out how to escape. What is keeping you here bound like this? Why can't you just get over this problem? The answer is you. Okay, that description would apply to both Ronan and Adam right now Uh about the fact that they are fighting with the thing that is inside them more than anything else. And so I really like that with the the referencing the mask. Mm -hmm. Ronan understandably freaks out and Adam, startled, stared at where Ronan's hand gripped his wrist. Ronan could feel his own heart pounding and in Adam's wrist, Adam's. And, you know, I'm guessing Adam's obviously startled. Is he scared of Ronan? Mm -hmm. And then he hung it back on the wall, but his pulse didn't calm. He didn't look at Adam. And then for Ronan's side, is it fear or something else? 
I don't think Renan himself was even sure. Don't, he said, but he didn't know what he was telling Adam not to do. Right. And then Ronan wonders if his dad's mask is even as dangerous as his own. It was possible that it only became deadly in Ronan's head. Mm -hmm. And then referencing the wiki how article again... The mood in your dream may accompany your dream object as it appears in reality. So take care not to bring depression, suicidal ideation, or anger into the waking world. If your mood is never good or you're always angry, seek professional help for your mental health before dreaming. Remember the first mantra of dream manifestation. Angels when waking are angels when sleeping. Assholes when waking are assholes when sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly he couldn't stand it, any of it. His father's dreams, his childhood home, his own skin. Ronan starts in with what could almost be described as a temper tantrum. He rips things off the wall and pushes things over. Ronan is even treated like a child in his anger. Mm-hmm. Gansey grabs his arm, unamused, with an expression that was at once young and old, more old than young. Mm-hmm. Ronan Lynch. I'm surprised <laughs> he doesn't use Ronan's middle name here. Uh-huh. Stop this right now. Go see your mother. And then we're leaving. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then Gansey holds Ronan's arm a second longer to make sure he hadn't mistaken his meaning. Mm-hmm. This is how you treat an out-of-control child. It does feel a bit condescending to me, even though what was just happening was happening. Right. It does feel a little condescending, though I'm not sure how it could have been handled better. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't have an immediate thought of how, how they should have done. Right. Because Ronan is acting like a child. Right. And so he is treated like one. And also, this is another instance of the voice before mm-hmm. it's a thing. Because it was the voice Ronan couldn't not listen to. It was sure in every way that Ronan was not. Right. This next conversation between Gansey and Adam reminds me of John Mulaney's sitting on the bench bit from Kid Gorgeous. I don't know if you've watched that. I have not. But basically, it's a conversation between a dad and his six-year-old child. And I'm picturing Gansey as the dad. How was school today? And Adam is, I said, it was good, but someone pushed Tyler off the seesaw. Dad, and where were you? Child, I was over on the bench. Dad, and what did you do? Nothing. I was over on the bench. But you saw what happened. Yeah, because I was over on the bench. So you saw what happened and did nothing. Yeah, because I was sitting over on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) There's more to that. But yes. Mm -hmm. And then Adam replies, I can't kill his demons. Mm -hmm. True. And while this might feel cold, it also implies a certain amount of respect. Like in the Raven Boys, when Adam says that Ronan needs to fight his own battles. Absolutely. We find out. He He really does. Yeah. Yeah. Adam knows more what Ronan needs than anybody, basically. Right. Blue said nothing at all, but she walks away into the sitting room with Ronan. Does this seem fair? I guess Adam's outburst was directed at her, and this one isn't? Yeah, I think it's partly that and that she expects it from Ronan. Mm-hmm. And she's not as close to him. Mm-hmm. And so she's still disappointed, but it's not directed at her. So she's not as angry or scared or upset. Right. They walk into the sitting room, and one of the descriptions in the sitting room cracked me up. Tall, thin crockery held umbrellas and dull swords. I legit (laughs) have this in my living room. Yes, yes, she does. (laughs) And rolls of carpet against a wall. One of them was marked with a sticky note that said, not this one in Niall's handwriting. I conjecture, flying carpet? (laughs) 
Possibly. And only now that Ronan had been away from home could he see how full of dreams that it was. Mm -hmm. Ronan sees his beautiful mother, surrounded by medical equipment, all of those things that home nurses always felt that she would need, but she required nothing. Mm -hmm. She was a sedentary queen from an old epic, golden hair swept away from her pale face, cheeks flushed, lips red as the devil. The devil instead of blood or roses. Mm -hmm. Eyes gently closed. She looked nothing like her charismatic husband. Why, why would she? Or her troubled sons. Matthew's not troubled. Not that we see. Mm -hmm. He's obviously, like, hurt. Mm -hmm. Also, it's Matthew who was her favorite and who she most resembles. Right. And then, just obviously to touch on, Aurora. And mm -hmm. here she is asleep. Aurora is the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty. The one who sings the song, I know you, I walked with you once upon a dream. And if I know you, I know what you do. You loved me at once, the way you did once upon a dream mm -hmm. and this is the movie that made me desperately wish i could be the voice of a disney princess <laughs> his home was populated by things and creatures from niall lynch's dreams and his mother was just another one of them jamie how would this feel that would feel so weird yeah It'd be bizarre all right i'm gonna talk about sleeping beauty awesome mini deep dive Obviously, there are a ton of connections between Aurora and the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty, but let's start with a little history of the story itself. Mm -hmm. The earliest version of the story is found in Perseforest, a fictional origin of Great Britain composed between 1330 and 1344, mm -hmm. which takes inspiration from, among others, our pal Geoffrey of Monmouth. <laughs> awesome. Uh -huh. One or more folk tales related to this tale inspired Sun, Moon, and Talia by mm -hmm. Italian poet Giambattista Basile, and that was published in 1634. Mm -hmm. And the version collected by the Brothers Grimm was the oral version of the literary tale published by Charles Perrault in 1697. Mm -hmm. So we're all probably most familiar with the Disney version with Princess Aurora and Prince Philip. The king angers the fairy Maleficent by not inviting her to Aurora's christening, and then Maleficent curses her to die, but one of the good fairies manages to make it so that she'll just fall asleep instead of dying, and then Prince Philip comes along and kisses her and wakes her up, and they live happily ever after. Maleficent's my favorite villainess. She's great. I love, I love her. her a lot. <laughs> She's my faves. Mm -hmm. All right. The Peralt version adds a second section to this. Mm -hmm. It's basically the same, mm -hmm. except that after waking the princess who is not named Aurora, mm -hmm. the prince and princess wed in secret, and the prince continues to visit her, and she bears him two children, a daughter named Aurora, which means dawn, right. and a son named Jor, which means day, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to the prince's mother, who is of an ogre lineage. And when the time comes for the prince to ascend the throne, he brings his wife and children with him. Hmm. And the ogre's queen mother sends the young queen and the children to a house secluded in the woods and directs her cook to prepare jour with a sauce for her dinner. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. And then the cook substitutes a lamb, which satisfies the queen mother. Mm -hmm. And then she demands Aurora. And then the cook substitutes a young goat, which also satisfies the queen mother. And then the ogress demands that she serve up the young queen. And the queen offers to slit her own throat that she may join the children she imagines are dead. Mm -hmm. But again, the cook substitutes a hind mm -hmm. prepared with another type of sauce in place of the young queen. And this, again, satisfies the queen mother. 
and the queen is reunited with her children. Mm-hmm. But then the queen mother soon discovers the cook's trick and prepares a tub in the courtyard filled with vipers and other noxious creatures. The king returns in the nick of time, and the ogress, her true nature having been exposed, throws herself into the tub and is fully consumed. The king, young queen, and the children live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, what do we know about Neil's family? Is there, like, an ogre in the family somewhere? Somewhere? <laughs> do we decimal ogre? <laughs> In the Bazille version, it's not a prince who finds a sleeping princess, Talia, but a king. Mm-hmm. The king's human wife discovers his infidelity and contacts Talia, pretending to be the king, so that Talia will send the kids to her so she can kill them. And then this plays out about the same way as the Peralt version. Mm-hmm. In the medieval courtly romance Persifrost that we mentioned, a princess named Zelandine falls in love with a man named Troilus. Her father sends him to perform tasks to prove himself worthy of her, and while he is gone, Zelandine falls into an enchanted sleep. Toilus finds her and impregnates her in her sleep. When their first child is born, he draws from her finger the flax that caused her sleep. Mm-hmm. And she realizes from the ring that he left her that the father was Troilus, who later returns to marry her. Yes, this is more similar to the version that I know, mm-hmm. which the flax is removed because the child is looking for a nipple to yeah, suckle and sucks on her finger and sucks the flax out. Mm-hmm. Earlier influences come from the story of the sleeping Brynhild in the Volsunga saga and the tribulations of saintly female martyrs and early Christian hagiography conventions. It was, in fact, the existence of Brynhild that persuaded the Brothers Grimm to include the story in later editions of their work rather than eliminate it as they did with other works they deemed to be purely French. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in most versions, we have a beautiful princess, Aurora, who falls into a cursed sleep in a castle in the woods, the barns, and is awoken by a prince or king who loves her, Ronan. Oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. You're awesome. welcome. Yay. I love Sleeping Beauty. Me too. <laughs> okay. Chapter 21 is a Blue point of view chapter. Blue gets sick of Ronan's crap and drags him to 300 Fox Way, where they go to Kala for some very ambiguous IT-related advice. End result, dreams without a dreamer can only be awake in dreams. Mm-hmm. Blue thought it was well past time they took Ronan to her family for a consultation. This is quite possibly true. <laughs> yeah. Dream monsters were one thing. Dream mothers were another. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure I see a difference in urgency for help. Also, where do dream ravens and dream brothers fall on that list? Well, they don't know about the dream brother yet. That's true. I would think that there is a difference in urgency because it's like his identity. His whole world kind of has just been flipped. I would think that that would be pretty shocking to be like, ah, what does this mean? But Mm -hmm. that was my interpretation anyway. Yeah, possibly. And then Gansey, Ronan, don't be difficult. Thanks, Mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not being difficult. I'm telling you I'm not going. This is actually one aspect of Ronan's religious views that I can completely understand. Mm -hmm. Because growing up in an evangelical household, if any of my friends had been from homes like Fox Way, I would not have been allowed to go there. Mm -hmm. It's like my mama wouldn't even allow a pack of playing cards in her house. And those ideas stick hard and they're hard to grow out of. And I was the house that other kids weren't allowed to go to. (laughs) (laughs) Icily Blue said, this is a religion thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to all the blues out there, but growing up, I would totally have been part of what put that ice in your voice. Mm. I've changed so much since high school. Yeah. Is this the part where you tell me my mom and I are going to hell? 
I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't really have the inside line on that knowledge. Right. He's actually judging himself as harshly as he is blue. Mm -hmm. Though she has no way of knowing that. Breaking rules about everything else is fine, but he needs to hang on to the religious rules. It's like maybe because it's something that his dad taught him. Mm -hmm. And this is the line of religion versus spirituality. Uh And now I have to stop the podcast here. Because Gansey is wearing a salmon-colored polo shirt. (laughs) Jesus, kill it with fire. (laughs) Blue thinks it was far more hellish than anything else they discussed at this point. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And then it is noted that either Gansey was incredibly oblivious or astonishingly enlightened. I also would have chosen him oblivious. (laughs) She'd heard versions of this countless times in her life. Um, I'll bet. Mm-hmm. Being openly Wiccan or Pagan in the Bible Belt, it would not be easy. Right. I never managed it. Yeah. And Blue <laughs> thinks, but she hadn't expected it from her inner circle. Her inner circle? Since when is Ronan in her inner circle? <laughs> <laughs> Since he came packaged with Gansey and, and Adam. Ah, I see. <laughs> Blue thinks the annoying thing about Ronan was always that he was calm when everyone else was angry. I feel like there are more annoying things about Ronan than that. Let's be real. Yes, yes, there are. (laughs) My soul's in enough peril as it is. Yeah, I get the feeling what he's worried about is everything that's going on with him, at least as much as he realizes right now. Mm hmm. Blue asks Ronan if he thinks we're in league with the devil. Ronan rolls his eyes. He's seen the devil's junk. (laughs) (laughs) My mom first knew she was psychic because she saw the future in a dream. It's not something she became. It's something she is. Mm -hmm. Blue credits Gansey with changing Ronan's mind in a minute. But I feel like this is a big part of it, too. Mm-hmm. I think this reaches him because of the stuff that he just is and didn't ask for. Right. You could just as easily say that you're evil because you take things from your dreams. Yeah, you could. She doesn't realize he does think that. Right. He says this to himself all the time. Mm-hmm. And then Ronan said, I am being perfectly fucking civil. <laughs> Everyone else has these amazing and uplifting Raven Cycle quote tattoos, and I would get this. <laughs> it would be great for you, though. <laughs> if, like, anyone accuses me of being, like, a bitch, I'd just lift my shirt and just say I'm being perfectly fucking civil tattooed across my belly. It'd be great. <laughs> Multiple studies have suggested that clairvoyance lies on the realm of science. Oh, Gansey. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, enlightened, thinks Blue. Come on, man, says Ronan. I'm kind of agreeing with Ronan for once. <laughs> Time's not a line. It's a circle or a figure eight or a goddamn slinky. It's not an inappropriate comparison. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. I don't know why you can't believe that someone could glimpse something further along the slinky. It's like, I totally can. And if I lived in the world of the Raven Cycle, I would definitely say there's enough extraordinary evidence to believe that. Mm -hmm. But in our world, there just isn't. Doesn't mean it isn't real, just that there's not that solid scientific evidence yet. Right. That look, Blue thought. Ren and Lynch would do anything for Gansey. I probably would too, she thought. They're all a little bit in love with him. And maybe her thoughts on a polyamorous marriage aren't too far back. Right. OT6 <laughs> FTW. <laughs> it was impossible for her to understand how he managed to pull off such an effect in that polo shirt. Same. <laughs> Whatever, said Ronan, which meant he'd do it. Gansey looked at Blue. 
Happy Jane? Blue said, whatever, which meant she was. This makes me giggle. Yeah, it's 100% siblings arguing and dad trying to get them to compromise. Uh huh. And then we skipped to 300 Fox Way. Mora and Persephone were working, like daytime jobs. And <laughs> why do you think it's called the cat room? Do you think they have a lot of cats? Or is it just like cat figurines? I don't know. Because like we never hear about any live cats. I know. I just picture like shelf upon shelf upon shelf of cat figurines covering every... That would be way cool. <laughs> just every damn surface. If she couldn't have all three of them, Kala was the one she wanted anyway. If she can't have the triple goddess in her entirety, Blue wants the crone, or at least Kala's psychometry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blue thinks about how they're dealing with things that are people and objects at the same time. Kala's mm-hmm. voice is described as a low, smoky voice that always felt more appropriate to a black and white movie. It's like, I can totally hear that. Yeah, it's a lovely description. Mm-hmm. If you're doubting me, I don't see why you're here. I don't think he's doubting, just kind of in over his head. Kala is doing the aerial yoga and she moves and Gansey catches a flash of her thigh or something mm-hmm. and Gansey looks away. He's acting like a fainting maiden. Quick, avert your eyes, female flesh. You can see her ankles. <laughs> like, come on, Gansey. Like, mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> Kala's position here reminds me of the Hanged Man tarot card. The Hanged Man is connected with searching for wisdom and is reminiscent of Odin sacrificing himself on the tree to be gifted runes. Good call. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Is this a ritual? Gansey asks. Again, he's clueless. And also, maybe? Maybe. Maybe a moving meditation, which is what I thought it was. But Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it describes Kala's dark brown skin, pink bra strap. Four tiny coyotes running along her spine. Right. And a mini deep dive here about coyote. Yay. Different than in many world mythologies, anthropomorphic animals, as opposed to monsters or like chimeras, which are mashups of many different animals, anthropomorphic animals are often common in the native myths of the U.S., the United States. There are many different Native American traditions that use coyote as a storytelling device, culled from different tribes in many different regions across the United States. Every story is unique, but many do share common elements. And from Wikipedia, coyote is a mythological character common to many cultures of the indigenous peoples of North America, based on the coyote animal. The myths and legends which include coyote vary widely from culture to culture. Coyote shares many traits with the mythological figure Raven. And side note for me, Raven stories are most often found in the Pacific Northwest and up through Canada into Alaska. Mm -hmm. Coyote is compared to both the Scandinavian Loki and also Prometheus, who shared with Coyote the trick of having stolen fire from the gods as a gift from mankind. Raven also does that. Mm -hmm. And Anansi, a mythological culture hero from Western African mythology. Mm -hmm. In Eurasia, rather than the coyote, a fox is often featured as a trickster hero, ranging from the kitsune, the fox tales in Japan, to the Reynard cycle in Western Europe. Mm -hmm. Claude Lévi-Strauss, a French anthropologist, proposed a structuralist theory that suggests that coyote and crow obtained mythic status because they are mediator animals between life and death. They are psychopomps Mm -hmm. in mythology, but they're also physically scavengers. 
Coyote is seen as a teacher, a trickster, or a villain, depending on the tradition the story is found in, and sometimes even all three. Mm-hmm. Very much like Loki. Mm-hmm. Coyote was just like a real person in the old times. He was two-faced, he was evil, but he was also good. The people often use him in the evil way and in the good way too. They use him for he has power to help as well as to harm. Mm-hmm. From a website focusing on coyote stories in the Oregon area... In his mixed nature as a trickster transformer, Coyote is not a culture hero. He is, as we say, all too human in his foibles. In his comic and mythic modes, as in the Nez Pierce Orpheus story, Coyote and the Shadow People, he projects the fullest, most compelling image of human nature to be found in the traditional native story repertoires. And a little bit about Coyote symbolism. The coyote obviously often symbolizes a trickster or joker. However, its symbolism is associated with a deep magic of life and creation. Don't be fooled by the coyote's way. In any circumstances you encounter, no matter how pleasant or clear they may appear to be, there's a hidden wisdom for you to reap. Be aware of the roundabout ways of the coyote and its teaching. And I feel this does apply to the circumspect way that Kala often gives advice. Mm-hmm. And then just to touch on similarities between Raven and Coyote, they are presented as scavengers, tricksters, and humanity's helpmates, mm-hmm. often doing things like stealing the sun from someone who's keeping it for themselves or putting stars in the sky. Right. I also love the symbolism of Kala, the coyote, and Ronan, the raven, being so similar in temperament. Yeah. Okay, back to it. Yep. Blue and Gansey exchanged a look. Blue's look said, I'm so, so sorry. Gansey said, am I the pretty one? Yes, Gansey, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Later on in the Dream Thieves, a quote, This was Kala. You, pretty one. She forgot Gansey's real name in the heat of the moment. Stop him. And that's 384 of the Dream Thieves. Mm-hmm. And then she asked, is it Coca-Cola shirt? By which she meant Adam, who had worn the Coca-Cola shirt to that first right. reading and then would be forever identify it. <laughs> and then Maggie says he's going to college at Coca-Cola. Right. <laughs> it sounds like a dig on the fandom, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Ronan said his voice a low growl, the snake. Right. There was nothing particularly sympathetic about Ronan just then. Handsome mouth drawing a cruel line, eerie tattoo creeping out the collar of his black t-shirt. Raven pressed against the side of his shaved head. He's put the armor back on. Uh-huh. It was hard to remember the Ronan who had pressed that tiny mouse to his cheek back at the barns. But that Ronan is still in there. Kala was trying to look dismissive, but it was clear that one of her arched eyebrows was terribly interested. It's your girl, Navita. Right. Yeah, eyebrows. (laughs) And Ronan says, this will interest you. Ronan and Kala get into a little pissing contest. Ronan is challenging her, but she has established dominance. (laughs) Reminds me of the lioness bit. Mm -hmm. Right. She's Mm -hmm. a lioness at full weight. Mm Mm-hmm. It takes Blue pressing the puzzle box against Kala's bare cheek before she stops trying to act nonchalant. Mm-hmm. She writes herself. The gesture was as elegant as a ballet move, a swan dancer unfolding. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you say something? I did. 
Something you should know about me, Snake. I don't believe anyone. Something you should know about me. I never lie. Mm-hmm. And this exchange is so them. Right. Chainsaw hissing <laughs> at Kala. My girl is protecting him. Uh-huh. And then talking about living things that come out of dreams, Kala says, they're like your nail clippings, so they all share the same life as you, the same soul. You're the same entity. Which I really dislike Niall bringing out Aurora even more. Uh-huh. Ronan thinks to himself, but if Chainsaw fell off a table, he didn't feel her pain. But then he wouldn't feel the pain of one of his nail clippings either. And this makes me think of Ronan and Matthew. Matthew being the sweet side of Ronan mm-hmm. and what would happen when he's in pain. But you have Chainsaw as the heart. You mention Opal as the soul. Uh-huh. And I just think Matthew is his gentleness. Yeah. They never really lived like you're thinking of life. It's not a soul that's animating them. Take away the dreamer and they're a computer waiting for input. Poor Matthew. That just breaks my heart for him. Yeah, earlier, and I don't remember if it was on the podcast, actually, Shannon and I had a deeply debated discussion on whether or not dreams are actually people. (laughs) It's still deeply debated. Yeah. Ronan thinks about what Declan said. Mom is nothing without dad. He'd been right. Yes, he knows. Put it together. Uh-huh. Kella asks for the bird. Ronan replies, don't squeeze. <laughs> He's so protective. My eyes almost filled. <laughs> Chainsaw promptly bit Kella's finger. Unimpressed, Kella snapped her teeth back at the bird. Careful, chickadee, she told Chainsaw, her smile deadly. I bite too. Mm-hmm. This just cracks me up. I know. <laughs> Chainsaw was motionless in her hands, fluffed up over the ignominy of it all. Right. Good bird. Yeah. She's such a good bird. She's sweet. What have you done, snake? And that reminds me of the, what am I? Please tell me what I am. Right. I was wondering what would Kala be specifically referring to? Like, what would he have done that she was seeing there? But, yeah. It's like, I mean, they're already talking about, like, right. and oh my gosh, what if she touched Matthew? <laughs> He'd feel like Ronan. I mean, mm-hmm. that's exactly what she's saying. Ronan didn't reply. Silence was never a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And then your fool father took her out. What? There aren't enough women in the world without making one? Yeah, call Niall out. Uh-huh. Kala tells Ronan that if he wants his mother back, she has to go back into a dream. And Ronan immediately thinks of Cape's water. Right. How familiar it had felt to walk there. How the trees had known his name. He was tangled in their roots somehow, and they in his veins. Mm-hmm. From the Raven King, when he's admitting to Adam that he dreamed Cabe's Water, Ronan corrected himself. It's kind of when he realized that Cabe's Water was his. Sort of always, just the moment we got here, I recognized it. My handwriting on that rock, I guess I knew right away. It just took me longer to believe it. Mm-hmm. And then back to the Foxway scene. And then Kala stared at him. Silence was never a wrong answer. God, I love that. Uh-huh. I love their interactions. <laughs> I'm not a magician, Kala says. Blue gives her a spin and she laughed. A filthy please sound. Mm-hmm. But he is, right. pointing at Ronan. Gansey also refers to Ronan as a magician earlier in the Dream Thieves as well. Gansey punched Ronan's shoulder. Glendower traveled with magi. Did you know? Magicians, I mean. Wizards. <laughs> Page 11. Mm-hmm. Kala, as they're leaving, yells out, Also, get rid of that mask. It's a nasty piece of work. Right. Okay, chapter 22. It's a Ronin POV. Ronin invites his angelic baby brother, who in no way will ever be affected by the fact that dream creatures fall asleep when the dreamer dies, (laughs) out to a tuna fish sandwich dinner. 
Matthew tries to get Ronan to admit that he likes Declan, and Ronan continues to be angry about the will while blaming the entirely wrong person. Mm-hmm. Okay, this chapter is interspersed with sections from Niall's will, which makes for an interesting framing device. Yeah, I actually think it works really well to frame Ronan's plans and thoughts. Mm-hmm. The three brothers are named Declan T. Lynch, Ronan N. Lynch, and Matthew A. Lynch. Niall's middle name also starts with a T, so perhaps Declan has his middle name. And of course, the N in Ronan's name stands for Niall. So maybe the A in Matthew's name stands for Aurora. (laughs) That would be kind of awesome, actually. Yeah. For some reason, the name Alan popped into my mind when I saw the A, Mm -hmm. but Aurora would actually be kind of awesome. Right. And I am curious as to what it actually is. Right. There was another Tumblr post. Tumblr user Reading Diamond asked, hey, in the Dream Thieves, in the part with the original will, it refers to Ronan as Ronan N. Lynch, Matthew as Matthew A. Lynch, and Declan as Declan T. Lynch. What do the N, A, and T stand for? Maggie, it stands for Never Underestimate Tumblr. The A was a typo because they were surprised to suddenly have another baby. <laughs> and then a reply from Troll Drottening, it's Declan, that won't do, Lynch, Ronan, now we're we're talking Lynch and Matthew. Ah, shit, Ronan Lynch. <laughs> Ma- Maggie replied, accepted. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So, in the will, I find the phrase, any child or children hereafter born to or adopted by me, to be extremely curious. I wonder if Niall was just leaving an opening for, say, something or someone like Opal to come. Well, Matthew already happened. Right. Like, so there's a precedent that exists for this kind of thing happening in this family already. Right. But it is interesting that he made this specific in his Mm -hmm. his will. And Matthew is looking at Ronan, the late evening light made his curls cherubic. I did not even remember this line when I made my joke last episode. (laughs) And both Declan and Ronan treated Matthew as their security blanket. He's so effing cute. I know, right? Flippin' adorable. Right. And Ronan distracts Matthew easily from topics Ronan doesn't want to discuss by asking him a question about how his sandwich is. It's a tuna fish sandwich. (laughs) Best tuna fish in town.tumblr.com. I wondered if the sandwich was from the same shop. Uh Uh-huh. He's as easily distracted as a dog. And like a dog, he's described as a golden indiscriminate pit. (laughs) I'm not saying he is a dog, just that he's as floppy cute and distractible as a puppy. Uh Uh Don't fucking swear, Ronan said. This was actually said to me as a child. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. And we have Article 2 of the will, which deals with the money that will be left in a trust after Niall dies. This trust shall be executed by Declan T. Lynch until all children have reached the age of 18. Number one. The fact that he left it to Declan to take care of this implies he must have known what would happen to Aurora. Mm -hmm. Number two, it means that Declan already has his money now. And number three, it means that Declan was 16 years old when he had to take over his father's estate. Yep. And it goes on to give all three boys $3 million. And spoiler for the newest holiday short story, fast forward if you haven't read it. The last of them will turn 18 on the solstice in three years. Mm -hmm. 
I am so amused by Chainsaw mutilating the stolen potato chip. She's just acting like a typical Corvid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a woman walks by with a baby carriage and gives Ronan a dirty look for either sitting on top of the table or for looking disreputable while trafficking with carrion birds. <laughs> and of course, Matthew waved at the contents of the baby carriage and the contents waved back. <laughs> I love this too because it's such a good illustration of the two of them. Right. Ronan asks if Declan's panties are in a twist. Matthew replies, they always are. His panties, I mean, twisted over it. Uh huh. <laughs> then asks, was dad really as bad as Declan says? Uh-huh. And then it immediately cuts to the will after that question in answer that they shall not trespass nor disturb any of the contents there, living or inert. Not dead inert Mm -hmm. and then goes on to say that yes their money will be taken away and given to the york ross common fund which is not a real thing as far as i can tell maybe in the world of the raven cycle it's a hedge fund for Mm -hmm. investing except for the trust established for aurora lynch's continued care again he obviously knows he 110 Uh percent knew what would happen what a fuckhead yeah Ronan asks what Declan has said about their dad. Matthew, I don't know, just said he was never there or something. Truth. Mm. Also, Ronan sounds angry to me here. It's like, what'd you say about my dad? Well, I think he's angry at Declan for talking shit about his dad. Right. Well, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, it was directed at Declan, obviously, but mm-hmm. like, there's that whole protectiveness of your parents. Right. Or, what'd you say? Yeah. And Matthew says that Declan is not that bad. Ronan thinks otherwise, but that he couldn't say that to Matthew, who had the same trusting eyes the baby mouse had turned on him. Mm -hmm. And Ronan thinks that his illicit visit to the barns, his realization about his mother, and Kala's assessment of the situation had badly shaken him. Yeah, it would. Right. And then he thinks one parent was better than no parents, which is what Adam has. Mm -hmm. And then awake was better than asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. One parent would be better than no parents. Right. And then Ronan thinks, it was like he knew. Ronan wanted badly to know how much Declan knew, but it wasn't like he could ask. It seems like things could be so much better for all of them if they could just talk. I know. Effing Nile, man. I know. And Ronan says, Declan started hating me first, so that wasn't me. No, Ronan, no. You're just different. You grew up with different parents. It happens with siblings. He's probably more upset, and I mean Declan, mm-hmm. he's probably more upset that he had to be a parent at age five. Mm-hmm. Matthew points out that Ronan was Niall's favorite and everybody has favorite things. Mm-hmm. And then again, immediately we jump to Article 2A, where Niall gives Ronan the barns. Ronan thought that they were probably both considering how this left Declan as no one's favorite. It finally really hits him later in The Raven King when they're at the barns. When he saw the spacious longing in Declan's face, he realized how much Declan had missed by growing up neither dreamer nor dreamt. Mm -hmm. This had never been his home. The Lynches had never tried to make it Declan's home. This makes me so freaking sad. I know. And then he thinks to Niall in his head, Why did you leave me a home I could never return to? Both Matthew and Chainsaw had gotten distracted by a circling pair of monarch butterflies. Dream creatures, am I right? <laughs> yeah. And then Matthew says that Declan says that you and dad were both dreamers and you're going to make us lose everything. Ronan comes to the realization, finally, mm-hmm. Declan knew about their father. 
Declan knew about their mother. Mm -hmm. Declan knew about him. Then Ronan immediately dismisses this information. What did it change? Nothing, maybe. Mm -hmm. But he obviously does care and he wants to know that information. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's just trying not to dwell on it because he feels like he can't actually act on it. Right. Which is something that he always needs to do. Right. (laughs) And then another snippet from the WikiHow on Dreaming. Sometimes, even with practice, you cannot manifest objects from your dreams. One, it's genetic. Two, blame your parents. Mm-hmm. Very much, I blame Niall Lynch. <laughs> Absolutely. Matthew nodded fast. He was biting his lip. His eyes were unselfconsciously damp. Again, it's like all of Ronan's softness. Mm-hmm. The kicker. This will stands as fact unless a newer document is created. Mm-hmm. And then a phrase in a language that Ronan doesn't speak, the language of the Tiria Lentes. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he needs some sort of Rosetta Stone or like a translation <laughs> device. Wherever would he get one of those? That's right. <laughs> Renan thinks to himself, this was probably why he called Matthew. And he's filled with an impossible hope and needed to say it out loud so that it would stop chewing a hole through his stomach. The decision galvanized Ronan. I promise. All right. <sighs> well, that's wrapping it up for the chapters. Woo-hoo. Okay. So that brings us to MVC. MVC. I want to say Ronan. Okay. Is that what you were going to say? It wasn't. Oh. <laughs> Who were you going to say? Because I had a second choice as well. Who's your second choice? Kala. Kala was my second choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I'm picking kind of a, a weird one, I guess, because okay. he's only in a little bit of it, but Matthew. Aww. Because he's so, like, he brings it out in Ronin, and he's, like, super cute. Anyway, all right. Oh, that's so good. Oh, <laughs> What are we going to do? Are we going to Rochambeau? Let's Rochambeau. Okay. All right. One, two, three, shoot. Ah, oh, Matthew! Matthew gets it! <laughs> I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then Maggie Watch. <laughs> I have nothing at all to say. All right. <laughs> Moving on to the supporter shout out. And our giveaway, we <laughs> wanted to say thank you to everyone who entered. We thank really you. appreciated the answers. The people who won are TBR Problems from Tumblr mm-hmm. and Wishing Stardust, also from Tumblr. Yay. And Catherine, it's at Ambulance Emoji on Twitter. TBR Problems from Tumblr says, If I could design my own caves water, it would kind of look like the forest in twilight. Many trees that are so tall you can't see the sky. Bright emeralds, dull mossy greens, dark browns. Misty clouds hanging just above the ground. Noises from birds or foxes that you can't really tell where they're coming from. The type of forest you would think of when you think of Little Red Riding Hood, but the wolf stalking the girl on her way to grandmother's house. You can feel the magic in the forest. Yes, and that is the forest around here. Alright, Wishing Stardust says, So for my own personal caves water, I'd either go a really classic route, just still bits of Skyline Drive, or for a substantially different vibe. This is very specific, but the Welsh town of Hay on Wye. I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> Do I'm best. not good at, at Welsh. 
AKA Wells' Wells's Booktown, ooh, which has like 20 plus bookshops. It has a little outdoor honesty bookshop that's just shelved right by the steps to their abandoned castle, which is being restored. So like that, except the castle isn't being restored and it's everyone by woodland creatures. Does that count? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> like I'm assuming the point is that it's a place to take stuff out of dreams and like small things could be gotten from the bookshelves. Or just, like, magic books could be there. That'd be awesome. (laughs) And the larger things could be in the abandoned castle and stuff. I don't know. I just want to move to Hay, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds awesome. That would be awesome. I've seen pictures of that town, and it's amazing. Mm. Catherine says... If you were designing your own personal caves water, what would it look like? What would it include? One, no cell phone service or Wi-Fi anywhere. (laughs) We're talking National Quiet Zone, which is in West Virginia. (laughs) Hiking trails that go on for hours and end up in the peak of a mountain in in the perfect time and place to catch the moon rising. Mm -hmm. Somewhere to set my book down that it wouldn't get dirty or lost. (laughs) (laughs) Again, thank you, everyone. And thank you, especially to the three people that we will be sending stuff to. Yay! Yeah. Awesome. Okay, we are ready to go. I think that wraps us up for the day. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our next episode will cover chapters 23 through 26 of The Dream Thieves. Will the deep dive on Alfred the Great? Yeah. (laughs) We're not sure because this episode and next episode, actually, we have a lot of pages to cover, too. Mm -hmm. However, our recording schedule is several weeks ahead of the release schedule. So follow us online for announcements of what chapters we will be covering next. And again, send us your thoughts. We do love hearing from you. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Yep. And you can find us practically everywhere on social media at Raven Girls, R-A-V-I-N-G-I-R-L-S, on Twitter at Raven Girls, on Tumblr at ravengirls.tumblr.com, Facebook at facebook.com slash ravengirls, and you can reach us directly at ravengirls at gmail.com. Yep. And you can reach me at substanceparty.tumblr.com or at gmail at substanceparty with all of the A's taken out, S-U-B-S-T-N-C-E-P-R-T-Y at gmail.com. And if we have referenced a post or article in the podcast, we will do our very best to include source links to those in the show notes. The Raven Cycle and all affiliated properties are copyright Maggie Stiebotter and Scholastic Incorporated. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, whoop whoop Raven Girls! <laughs> all right. <sighs> I knew you were going to start singing. <laughs> <laughs> Test. Test, test. Testing. Testing one, two. <laughs> one, two. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Give me a break. Wait. Give me a break. <laughs> break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Oh my god. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm crying real tears. <laughs>